0: The Sacred Changemakers podcast is supported by Coaches Business School, helping the world's most caring coaches build a purpose-driven and profitable business that makes a meaningful impact in our world. Check out their unique frameworks and methods to help you transform and grow your business. Now is the time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs. You can do well in business and do good and together we can make a meaningful difference. Find out more at coachesbusinessschool.com.
1: Hey, Sacred Changemakers, and welcome back to the podcast. Now, our guest today is Patty Block. She teaches women business owners who are kind of experts in their field how to turn up their power to price and sell and even run their business on their own terms. And you know that could have to do with fine tuning their operations in their business and kind of scaling their revenue. But the thing about Patty is she becomes a trusted advisor and she brings a unique perspective as you're gonna hear in this conversation that we're about to have because she has a really interesting life journey. And you know, uh, this brings this unique perspective into her work because she's experienced and solved, I guess, many of the same complex issues women face as as leaders and as moms and daughters and sisters and friends. And you know, she has learned how to collaborate really and form partnerships of something she calls unbiased accountability. And she helps women position their companies financially, operationally, and technologically for game changing results. And of course, she's also a mother. She's raised three fantastic kids. And I would say, as you'll hear me say in the conversation, you know, she's not just raised three children, she's raised three business leaders as well. So we do dive into in this conversation her life journey, you know, the uniqueness of that, the good and the bad, and the experiences and milestones that have shaped her. And of course, we're talking about the title of our conversation today, which is the evolutionary power of women in business and really what's possible for us. And the other thing I want to say is, although this seems like a gender oriented conversation and in many ways it is. We kind of go beyond the kind of men and women kind of conversation and really start to reimagine what might be possible for women if we get to, you know, break through that proverbial glass ceiling in corporate life. And, and then also what's different with that glass ceiling when you potentially leave corporate and start your own Business and become self employed. What's possible then in terms of our evolutionary power? And Patty takes us into all of this. And we talk about, gosh, we talk about so many different things from money and value, from reimagining business to shape a better future for our world. It's all in there. And this was a conversation that I really enjoyed. I think you're going to enjoy Patty's quiet presence and how she really. Guides us in our own sense of being, in our leadership, and in our business. So let me be quiet for now and let me introduce you to Patty. Hey, Patty, welcome to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. So happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. You know, our listeners have just heard, you know, an introduction and your bio. And I'd love to kind of go behind the scenes a little bit with you to get a sense, in your own words, really, of the real life human that lies behind that kind of professional persona. Who is she? She is someone who has suffered,
0: has achieved, has um, triumphed over very difficult painful situations and i understand that i had to be there to get here and here is wonderful oh my so gosh. <laughs> i'm i'm grateful not to have suffered because i i misunderstood what that meant but i am grateful to be here to be healthy to have perspective and understand what's really important and to embrace my family, which is at the top of that list, what is most important to me. And I've been the single mom of three kids who are now young adults. They've all, I've really raised them myself. I've put them all through school and helped them launch their careers. And now they're all three business owners. And they work in my company, and I help them with their companies. So it's so gratifying. And that is what I'm so grateful for.
1: You know, as you started to speak then, it reminded me of that great Charles Dickens uh, novel. I think it's A Tale of Two Cities. As he starts with, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And I love how you've kind of brought that into like the conversation here, that we have these, like, you know, there's the positive aspects of life, there's the shadow aspects of life, and, and how we kind of deal with both of those, I think, shapes who we become in the world. So when you look back on your life path, you know, what is it that stands out for you as, you know, something, some experiences you've been through that have really shaped who you've become in our world today? There
0: are many as there are for everyone, there are many. But imagine there I was 17, alone in some dark random parking lot, smelling the asphalt after a sweltering day in Atlanta, Georgia. And while my family went to dinner, I'm curled up on a lumpy bed in a rented motor home, feeling nauseous, scared and mute. Every summer, my family took trips across the US. And in Atlanta, we picked up a motorhome so we could travel through two states and the trips were often good, but the travel for me was torture. My dad was a card-carrying member of the Flying Physicians, doctors who owned airplanes and that was their hobby. And we flew everywhere in his boiling hot six-seater airplane. And my mom even learned to co-pilot so that if anything happened, she could be able to at least land the plane. What I didn't know then was that those flights triggered migraine headaches for me, which left me sick, blind, mute, and scared. And because this happened every summer, I now know that I was depressed all year, the whole school year. I was depressed, I was worried, waiting for that crippling anxiety and the trauma of the next flight, because it happened every summer from the time I was about eight. And here's what I realized alone in that steamy Atlanta parking lot, was I didn't even know how to ask for help. I had no words, I didn't have language and no one was gonna rescue me. I really believed I only had two choices in life, avoid or suffer and I felt trapped. That started my quest, that realization, that pain started my quest to speak up, speak out, find the language, create the language. I had never even heard the word anxiety. Mm. So I didn't know how to talk about it. I didn't know how to ask for help. And I had no clue how to step into my power. And of course, that is a lifelong journey for all of us, especially as women. Mm. So I worked with mentors and guides and I researched and I studied and I practiced and I built my business on that foundation of speaking up, speaking out, and not just following the pack, not just doing what others, you know, gurus or experts, or not what others said I should be doing, but figuring out my own path forward, because I never want to feel trapped like that again. Mm -hmm. So that directly ties into what I do. I work with women business owners that are experts in their fields, and I help them to achieve that clarity, that confidence, and that sense of control. Because sometimes they also feel trapped in their businesses. And sometimes they feel as though they're doing what they, quote, should be doing, what people tell them they need to do, this kind of cookie cutter approach to building your business. And I reject that. I think bringing innovation and new ideas and experimenting, that's what it means to be a business owner. And that takes courage and it takes a lot of cleverness. And if there's anything my clients and colleagues are, it's clever. And we need to bring that more into our businesses. What we really bring into our businesses is fear. And that is what I'm working against. And that is the work I'm doing in the world. Mm,
1: You sound like the perfect person to be doing that kind of work, given everything that you've shared with us. And I just want to thank you for being so open and vulnerable there. And I hope you don't mind if I just go back to something from that kind of trauma that you went through in your childhood. Because I do believe, you know, and I know you've already found it from what you're you're sharing with us here, is that You know, in the midst of some of the shadow elements of life, some of the things that are traumatizing, that we do struggle with at an early age, these are the things that really kind of, in a way for me, they break us open. They put us on our path, right, that I wonder if we'd have got there without it. And one of the things as I was listening to you talk about that, um, Patty, for me was... a a triggering in my own childhood I think and I'd love to get your sense of this because one of the things I was told as a child was little girls should be seen and not heard right and I just wonder you know if there's any element of you being a girl that or being female that you think when you look back fed into this or not? I mean, I don't know. I'm just wondering about that because of my own experiences, I guess. But I'd love to see if you feel there was anything because we were obviously in different times then and we're having different conversations now than we were back then. So I just wonder if looking through the lens of today, it shines a different light on, on, on what was going on really.
0: I don't know. That's a wonderful question. And it brings to mind so many thoughts and things I'd love to share. But let me start with when I was growing up, there were two things in the household that you could do that the two most terrible things make a noise and make a mess. Yeah. (laughs) And growing up that way, again, you grow up in fear. Mm. Right. So I was afraid to make a sound or make a mess, because there were consequences. So that's the first thing that came to mind as soon as you said that was that fear. Right. And again, when you think about how we run our businesses, and bringing that fear in, Mm. that works against us. Because, again, I that that deep seated fear is, I need to be quiet. I need to be Neat, clean, organized. These are all the things I should do. And there's a lot of benefit to being neat, clean, organized, add structure. All of those things are beneficial. But when they're based on fear, that works against us Mm. and we become reactive. And in fact, that's one of the biggest challenges I think we have as women is that we are primarily reactive. And that always puts us in a one down position. Mm -hmm. So that is one of the things that I work on a lot with my clients and certainly for myself is being proactive and figuring out, to some extent, it goes back to the experimenting. And how do you figure out what works in your business? Because we're individuals and there is no cookie cutter approach and there is no magic wand that you can wave to, (laughs) to make things right. So that's the first thing that came to mind. The second was a different spin on it, which is, so my dad certainly was very chauvinistic. He, and he was from a generation that believed boys do this and girls do this. But what that did is it let me off the hook. So I have two brothers and a sister. My two brothers, it was, you know, it was stressful in a whole different way for my brothers because so much was expected of them. And we're all high achievers, and and we all love that innovative idea. And so there's so much good that came out of my growing up, but I was not raised to be a breadwinner. I was raised to get my education, get married and have children, period, end of sentence. And I, at the older I got, you know, in my teens, in my early 20s, the more angry that made me because I cared a great deal about having a career and had things I was passionate about. At that time, I was very passionate about politics and ended up running a business that I focused on political consulting and lobbying. And I was very passionate and felt as though I was doing such important work. But I also was thwarted in that work because there was so much sexual harassment and sexual discrimination. So, you know, I look back on those times and especially as a lobbyist, all the deals were made on the golf course and the strip clubs. And I'm a young mother of three kids and I'm commuting back and forth to our state capital. I'm not going to a strip club to make a deal. Mm -hmm. So I had to get really creative to figure out how to get the deals done without going to the golf course and the strip clubs and figuring out uh, a better way, certainly for me, but a more innovative way to get in the door and to get the deals done because that was, that was necessary. And you could be one of the guys or you could be a sex symbol. And at that time there was literally nothing in between. So to your point about being a woman, having some of the challenges that we face, yes, I've experienced all of that. I've been a single mom since my youngest was about two, and he's now turned 30. So I've raised my three kids. I have, um, I've kept my goals in sight. My goal was always to raise good human beings and everything else was on the periphery.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that kind of focus and discipline has served me really well but i also paid a price for that with don't make a noise and don't make a sound don't make a mess mm. right so some of that discipline comes from that that childhood experience but there are also some downsides to that because it was so much harder for me to speak up and because there was so much fear underneath that mm.
1: You know, as I'm listening to you, I'm really getting the sense that, you know, this is how, in a way, we all as women navigate like the challenges from our childhood. And then moving into the challenges as a young woman in the workplace and then what that has meant and all the stuff that that brings our way that quite honestly i know for me i wasn't expecting and was a little shocked to experience some of the things you just gave voice to was also true for me and and what i want to ask you is through all of that you were a mother you raised three children and, and I'd go as far to say, you didn't just raise three children, you raised three leaders. <laughs> right, Patty? So what I want to ask you is, how did being a mother, right, and through all of this, how did that shape your, your leadership in business? Like, what, what did you learn from that, that you brought into business?
0: It's a fabulous question, and it's spot on early in the, in the journey when I realized, so this was a surprise divorce for me. I was gobsmacked and I, I knew there were problems in our marriage, which like many women, I thought a third child would solve, right? Okay. So that what I realized early on, as terrible as the divorce was, as traumatic as what I was going through was realizing that I was on my own to raise these these children, these good human beings, I had a laser focus on understanding that I was their role model. Mm. and how important that was going to be as they grew up. It was not easy. I don't want to make it sound like I have all the answers, and I raise these children like magic. That's not how that happened. We all know that (laughs) there were all kinds of ups and downs and challenges. And, you know, and the kids get to be teenagers and then they push back and they're rebellious and, you know, all of those things. And of course, what people don't tell you is that the kids need you more when they're teenagers than when they're toddlers. And they need you in a different way because they don't want you. When they're toddlers, they want you. When they're teenagers, they don't want you but they need you. And being present and being available was sometimes all I could do. So with all of those challenges, I kept in focus. I'm a role model. I might be their only parental role model, their only positive parental role model. And how can I instill that leadership? Cause I do think that's a very important trait mm-hmm. and everyone in my family of origin is a leader. And so you're right. I did raise leaders and I raised people who we talk about everything. We talked uh, when they were teenagers, we talked about sex. We talked about safe sex. We talked about drugs. We talked about peer pressure. We talked about everything we could talk about as uncomfortable as it was because I didn't grow up that way. Mm -hmm. And that was part of not having the language and not being able to speak up and being afraid to ask questions. And I didn't want my children to experience that in the same way. Again, a lot of that is generational. Yeah. So being a role model for my kids transfers over to wanting to be a role model for my clients. And it's not to say, and in fact, I never say, I have all the answers because no one can have all the answers. But what I do say and what I do help with my clients is to say, I can help you find the answers. I can be your guide and your mentor, and I can be innovative and help you experiment with these different programs or messaging or operations or how you're building your pricing model. Pricing of course is a huge issue for women. Mm. It is really for every small business owner but especially for women because we undervalue ourselves and we underprice our services. and it's so pervasive. So because of that, I'm I want to dive deep when I am, go into a business and help the women understand, how they can do things differently, that are more aligned with their values. It feels better and it works better. So you're absolutely right about those childhood experiences impacting who I am today and the way I raise my children and the way I interact with my clients. I
1: love that. So my question is really around, um, you know, why, Why choose to work with women? Now, before you answer, I just want to say, I think we've kind of got some of the answer in the title of our conversation today, which is the evolutionary power of women in business. But I'd love to get a sense of, you know, you might think, well, that's not fully the answer. It might be something else. But I'd love you to walk us through that evolutionary power of women in business, especially why it's needed today. In the marketplace? I mean, what's your sense of that, Patty?
0: One of the reasons I was so excited to come on today is because I know the kind of depth you bring to your questions. <laughs> and so that is not a simple question that has no. a simple answer. No, it's not. However, what comes to mind as you're asking that question is the shoulds, mm. right? Quote unquote, the shoulds. So I was raised, you should get your education, get married, have kids, end of sentence. We're all raised, men or women, we're all raised with certain expectations. Right. For women, because we're typically not raised to be breadwinners, we often don't know how to approach that. So Mm. a lot of us go into corporate and we make good livings and we get great experience A lot of times we have negative experiences in corporate and we come out of corporate and we're excited to start our businesses and build those businesses. But we don't know anything different than what we learned in either in growing up in our families or in a corporate environment. And corporate never worked for women. It wasn't Mm. designed for women. Mm. It never worked for women and it doesn't work for women today. So, The idea that you can be quote free, you can be your own boss, you can start your own company. And women don't realize all the challenges that they will face. So sometimes when when you come out of corporate, first of all, you have this hourly billing model stuck in your head. Because most of my clients are accountants, attorneys, engineers, and marketing and PR professional. All of those women, come from an hourly billing model. And that is very transactional. So when you go out and you sell your services as a transformation, and then use transactional pricing, like hourly billing, there's a disconnect. And there's a lot of misunderstanding around that. So part of what I teach women is how to price based on value. So let's go back for a moment to this concept of evolutionary change. Hmm. When all we know is what we experienced or learned, and we don't see others doing things differently. Everybody, you know, it's like the lemming idea. Everybody's a lemming. (laughs) And we listen to the gurus and we follow the pattern that's been set out for us, which was a corporate model. And that is a huge challenge because if you don't know how to do it differently and you are relying on your business for income, you're not going to take a chance on experimenting or doing something differently. And it takes a lot of courage to look at things differently, to bring your own perspective to something. And so that is really what I help women do is kind of break the mold. There are pieces of that we can use, but it has to work for you as a person. And that's what I think is missing, is everything is so standardized and so cookie cutter that we are afraid to do things differently. And the companies and the women that are doing things differently are the ones we hear about, the ones that really stand out. And we need more of that. Because the huge challenge is what it takes to do that is to stand your ground and speak up. So I did neither of those things in Atlanta, Georgia. I didn't have ground to stand on. I really felt as though there was nothing under me but quicksand. And my choices were suffer or avoid. And to some extent, I still believe that it's very deeply ingrained in me. And I have to fight against that, right? You don't have to avoid this situation and you don't have to suffer. There are other alternatives. And so it's having that realization, it's understanding that I can change my reality. That's what I realized in that motorhome, curled up on a lumpy bed, was I can't live like this anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's happening, but I need help. And I need to figure out how to ask for that. And at 17, that was a pretty important realization. So all that to say, you believe that you're on a particular path, and that's the path you have to be on. And that doesn't have to be the case. You have choices. And I will mention that a lot of what I do is about helping women generate more revenue with less stress. And the reason I do that is because when you're generating more revenue, you have more choices. It buys you power. And that is what I didn't have when I was growing up. I was completely powerless. I was trapped. And it definitely created the person that I am today. Mm.
1: It's fascinating, this conversation, and I just want to check my understanding here of something, because I'm, I've kind of made this massive assumption as you're talking, which is that, of course, I've worked with, uh, you know, female leaders in corporate, you know, all around the world for many decades, and, you um, you know we talk about the glass ceiling there we talk about the fact that you know we live in a white man's world and you know the structures are, are are created for men to the extent that i've had women that have finally made it to the c-suite only to find that their new office is on a new floor of the building and there's no female toilets up there right those kinds of like little tiny things that just kind of eat away at us as women and what I heard you say there was, and I've never really thought of it in this way, is yes, there's a glass ceiling in corporate, it's still alive and well, but if you don't like it, there's another alternative where you can break through your own glass ceiling in your own business and define the way that you want to lead, the culture that you want to create for yourself in your business, and you get to like say your own rules. So my question is, is there a glass ceiling in small business? Is there that inequality in business, in the small business world? Have you noticed anything like that? Because I actually don't know.
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. There is a glass ceiling in your business. (laughs) But wait, but wait. But you put it there. (laughs) You put it there. (laughs) I love that, (laughs) Patty. We do. And I often talk about, that's why I was smiling as you were saying that. I often talk about we are creating a self-imposed glass ceiling. Right. And it's artificial, which is the good news. Yeah. And once you recognize it, you can burst through that glass ceiling. And part of that goes back to we know what we know. Yeah. And we don't know what we don't know. So if you don't recognize that you have come out of corporate and you have created that in your business, then you're just going to perpetuate it because you don't know the difference. So that is a huge part of my mission is to bring that to women's awareness. Mm -hmm. Yes, the glass ceiling that you're bringing into your business. Yes, this double whammy of you underprice your services and then you over deliver. Mm -hmm. So if you thought you were profitable, You are not, because as long as you're underpricing and over-delivering, your profit just goes poof. So it's bringing awareness to some of these important issues and then helping the women affect change. And again, going back to that lumpy bed in that motorhome, I could have said, oh, this is my lot. I'm gonna suffer for the rest of my life. I don't really know why I'm suffering. I don't know how to do this any differently, but this is just the way it has to be. Mm. And what was so life-changing to me is that realization of, I don't know how to change this, but I have to figure out, I have to ask for help because I can't go on like this. And I will tell you that sometimes women get to that point in our businesses, that it feels like such a burden, revenue is up and down, or we have staff turnover, staff leaves. I have one client who she had uh, an office manager who had been with her for 16 years and gave two weeks notice. And my client just kind of looked at me deer in the headlights. She doesn't even know what the office manager does all day. Right. Right? She has no idea of the scope of her job and now has to replace her in two weeks. But my answer to her was, let's rethink this. Do you need to replace her? Mm. Perhaps you can outsource some of those services. So let's take a new look at this, a fresh look, and see what's going to work for you, as opposed to that corporate model, which is you have to have an in-house office manager Mm. and pay a full-time salary with benefits. There's all kinds of alternatives for small business. Mm. So, you know... That feeling stuck and not recognizing that a lot of what we do is self imposed and we don't know how to ask for help and we don't know who to trust when we turn to people for help. So it's a real conundrum for a lot of small business owners and women in particular. Mm.
1: And there's an interesting kind of dilemma, I think, that certainly our audience here at Sacred Changemakers faces quite a lot in business, which is this polarisation that we have in our society, particularly in the West, around kind of making a difference and being of service and, and really, you know, kind of being on the purpose side, if you like, having a soul's calling and expressing that through our business. And then on the other side making money, (laughs) being a for-profit business. And I notice, you know, for myself and for a lot of my colleagues as well, there's this conversation that comes up, like it's almost like the market expects us to be a not-for-profit or a full profit in the masculine ideal of what that is. And yet there's a lot of us that are female that are going, well, actually, we just want to do a different path. We don't want to do either. Then we kind of want to do both. Can't, can we do both, Patty?
0: <laughs> yes. And the more money you generate, the better you can serve your audience. Yeah. So uh, what happens often is we have it backwards. We we have it backwards in a couple of ways. One is we think that marketing is gonna solve our issues. I'm just gonna pour a lot of time, energy, and money into marketing, and people are gonna flock to me. Right. That is not at all how marketing works. So, and we hear about that all the time because the loudest voices in the market are the marketers. Right? Right. So that's what we hear. And that if you just do it this way, and use this script and follow this pattern, all of a sudden you're gonna have more clients than you know what to do with. Well, there's two huge problems with that. First of all, formulas don't work. Frameworks work. That's what I teach is frameworks. Formulas don't work. And secondly, the huge problem is even if you did bring in a whole lot more clients, that's a whole new set of problems. Mm. So focus on what you're doing currently, but perhaps customize it. So that it is not working. You don't feel that inner conflict or that inner fear when you have alignment with how you're talking about your services, how you're talking to your ideal buyers, finding your ideal buyers, not everyone who comes to you is an ideal buyer, Hmm. but often we, we want to believe they are. That's what I call the hope factor. We want to believe that they are, and we want to understand that even if they're not an ideal buyer we can turn them into one and that hope factor is often works against us and it's kind of like dating you know if you think back to when you were a teenager and you started dating you thought everyone who was interested in you was the one right and if they weren't the one you could change them and we bring that into our business as well with our buyers and we think, oh no, this I can make this work. So we have it backwards because we're listening to the marketers. We think there's a magic formula and, and that's a huge roadblock for a, a lot of us. But the other way we have it backwards is we think that we're going to go in a particular direction. And if we do everything we should do, then we should get the results we want. And again, that's very ingrained in us. And it rarely works out that way. So I did what I was told to do, should do, right? I got my education. I got married. I had three children. I was raising my family. Everything was fabulous. And nobody tells you that your life is not going to be a straight line. My life hasn't been, and I bet every one of your listeners could say the same. Mm -hmm. Our lives are not a straight line, but we are not in any way prepared for that. So all of a sudden, I'm 35 years old, and I have a surprise divorce. And I was running a business as a political consultant and a lobbyist. I had to close my business because I needed health insurance, and I couldn't just go out and buy health insurance at that time. So... I had to close my company, get a job. It was a wonderful job. I went to an international school and I became director of development, handling marketing, public relations, and fundraising, and then became director of operations. And I was there for almost nine years and was able to bring a lot of that experience to my client work. And again, I had to be there to get here. And it was a great landing space for me. With a lot of responsibility, it was very demanding, but I also learned a tremendous amount about finance and operations. Mm -hmm. And the whole time I was there, I was planning this company and started this company in 2006. So the mistake that we often make is thinking that we are on a path and life is a straight line. And if we just keep doing what we should be doing, we're gonna get the results we want. And that is almost never the case. So there has to be that innovation, that new way of thinking, that aligning with your values. That is my deep belief that when you can align your business with your beliefs and your life, that's when we start getting the results that we want. And I
1: totally agree.
0: And that's what my whole mission is about.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because my values have expanded so much over the last maybe five or six years. And, you know, one of the things I do want to talk to you about is is, is related to our title, this evolutionary power of women in business. Because for me and for a lot of our audience, you know, our values base now is not just about me as an individual in the world, it's also about my contribution, my impact, potentially even to some of the big challenges that we're facing right now in the world. And I'd love to ask you to speak to that a little bit, Patty, because I think as women, we often don't realize the evolutionary power that we have, in fact, Um, you know, and and I think that when we bring that to business, in my experience, things become exponential, right? And so I'd love to get you to, to kind of speak to that title that we have, but also bearing in mind the context The crazy times that we're living in right now, and what they're calling from us in this process of evolution that's happening unconsciously, you know, in this we space that I sometimes think is a little bit too big to grasp, because it's kind of a bit slippery. You know, it's unconscious, it's just moving through the hole. But I'd love to get your sense of it. Because I know from our conversation before we started recording, you have a background in evolution and anthropology. I do.
0: I do. That actually was one of my first loves was archaeology. So I used to I remember I was 11 and I started subscribing to archaeology magazine. And the highlight for me was when it would come in the mail. Mm. So archaeology was certainly a first love of mine when I got to college. I started to understand that there was an umbrella discipline above that, which was anthropology. And I ended up studying primates and primate behavior and primate social systems and became a physical anthropologist. So it was a a really incredible proving ground because I was studying evolution, I was studying ancient history, and I was studying primate behavior. And those things together, you know, it's ironic because working in politics, there are more similarities between primates and <laughs> politicians than we might <laughs> want to admit. But I will tell you that studying that behavior in primates actually served me well when I was working with politicians. So there are, there's a lot of tie-in and the idea of evolution, while I know it can be controversial, is Mm. it's a, um, it's an underpinning for how we understand the world. Mm. And so there is a transfer in what I'm doing now, because the way women understand the world, especially the business world is, in my view, not built on a firm foundation. Mm. Again, going back to that corporate idea. Mm. So I think that underpinning we need to create ourselves and one of the so i've i've coined a term that i think is really important we talk about high achieving business owners high achieving women all of my clients and colleagues are high achieving that is the nature of who we are but the problem i've seen over the years is that it's all around competition mm. and the term that I'm using is I am a high achiever collaborator.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I don't need to worry about competitors and neither do you because first of all, we live in an abundant society. There is a lot of work. There is even more work now because there are no geographical barriers because now everyone is virtual. So I can work with people and I do, I talk to people in Australia and England and Austria all the time. So our borders are either minimized or really the only border I have to deal with is the time zone differences. So that has opened up a ton of opportunities for us, but we don't have to compete with each other. When I find another business advisor who does something similar to what I do, I am thrilled because I know we can collaborate and build a community around us. So I think the high achieving collaborator is a very important concept for women to embrace and to actively support each other. And I, we still have work to do. I think we are better at doing that, but we still have work to do. And I don't think that we are, especially in the United States, I don't think we're experiencing the kind of oppression that women did in the 60s, 70s, 80s. However, sometimes we are we are limiting ourselves going back to that self-imposed glass ceiling. We're keeping our companies artificially small, we which means we have less impact in our communities. We have less impact with our colleagues, our community. So that can be remedied. And it can be remedied by women coming together, finding your community of like-minded people who care about the same things you do, who can work together to collaborate. So that is what comes to mind when you ask that question about the we, build a community around yourself, support other women, support other small business owners, excuse me and become that high achieving collaborator
1: yeah I I think that's really great advice for everybody listening here and you know it it makes me want to ask you know like what's your vision for the future of business or the future of our world because it feels like all of this is in service of almost reimagining business in some way so that potentially you know we're doing like and I'm talking big scale systems now not just this I'm talking about the complex stuff that we have no simple answers for but I do feel like I like I, I now naturally want to ask you Patsy like what is the world that you long for what does that look like because I feel all of this is in service of something
0: it is in service of in service of equality true equality mm. where we no longer think about people's gender or race or where they were born mm. to me that is of no consequence it's interesting and it everyone has their own personal experience that created the person they are today i love hearing people's stories but it's of no consequence to me in terms of who i do business with or who I care about, right? So, so that is a world I long for, where there, where the word tolerance doesn't exist, because we don't need it. Yeah. Right. Why yeah, should we have to be tolerant of others yeah. if we're truly accepting them?
1: It reminds me of a conversation I had yesterday with a colleague, and she turned to me and she said, Jane, I I want to live in a world where I don't have to put up a sign to say Black Lives Matter. And I just thought, that's exactly what you're saying, Patty, you know? And I love that. I feel that, you know, so many of us are in service of, of something in that direction anyway, and that the world would be very different. So let me just come back full circle and say, So what is possible for women in business? Is that something we could aspire to?
0: It is, I think, nothing against men. I've raised two sons. I'm very close to my two brothers. My dad has passed away. Nothing against men. But as women, we have the power in our hands to create that world. It means that we need more women in leadership, not only in corporate environments, in politics, in government. We're heading in a better direction, but there's still a lot of work to do. Mm. The fact that the United States has never had a woman president is very telling. Yeah, And this isn't about politics. This is about good government. And it's about the approach that women bring to everything they do. And it's with a whole heart. Yeah. And I have been in the political arena long enough to know that the men who come with a full heart are very few and far between. Almost every woman that I met in the political arena comes with a full heart and she's in it to to serve others. So again, not male bashing, but saying that as women, we have more power than we realize. Mm -hmm. And my first step in that journey is empowering women in business, because when they're making more money, they can participate in their communities in a whole different way and have a bigger impact to whatever is important to them. So that is my first step is empowering women in business. But we need to be empowering women everywhere because we do come to things with a full heart and we do have more power than we realize. So that's the first piece of that for me.
1: I love that. So one final question, which is, if there's something you'd want to share with us today, something you'd want our audience maybe to take away, it might be an insight, it might be a piece of wisdom, some advice, whatever it is that's bubbling up for you at this moment, what might it be?
0: You have more power, more choices to be clever and innovative and run your business on your own terms. You may not realize it in this moment, but that's my job. That's my job is to bring that to your awareness and to show you how to do that. So keep in mind, one of the things I hear frequently is that if I charge more, I feel greedy. I feel guilty because I just want to take care of my clients. And there's a method that I use to help you get through that Because as long as you feel that way, you're not gonna price appropriately. You're not gonna bring in the revenue you need. And that negatively impacts not only you and your family and your staff, but it negatively affects your community. And you have power in the palm of your hands. So everything in my view flows from pricing. And when you are bringing in more revenue, you have more power. It's a relatively simple framework that you can put to work for yourself.
1: Oh, I love that. Patsy, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our conversation today and I know our listeners will have got so much from your guidance, your advice, your insights. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you, this has been wonderful.
1: Okay guys, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Before we go, I do want to remind you that all the resources and links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. And a big thank you to our members at Sacred Changemakers in our community who are helping us make a global impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all visible on our website. And if you're a changemaker who wants to grow your impact, you will need to understand how to build a business that works today. So, check out our Soul Business Academy and create a business that resonates with your soul. It's time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs from you. Together, we can make a meaningful difference. Again, you can find us at sacredchangemakers.com. And if our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. So, for now. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your intention and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.